This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Today's sermon title is God With Us. And I pray that you will pay attention. I am paying attention what the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to me. And I pray that this morning that uh, you will also pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about. Uh, I remember and I recall uh, what I would call an Emmanuel moment, a God with us moment. And maybe you could begin to think about your God with us moment. Um, And typically, at least in my stories, is that God seems to be really with me in the darkest moments. Now, I don't know about your stories, um, but for me, it's when, it was when I was going through the toughest times. There's a famous uh, book called The Dark Night of the Soul written by uh, an old saint, St. John of the Cross, and he talks about the dark night of the soul, finding God in the dark night of the soul, the, the dark moments. And, he, and it's during that time he found a personal experience with God with us. You know, we just sang a song, um, Emmanuel, God with us. And so what I'm praying that today after our time together is that somehow we'll, it'll get up from our brain and down into our hearts that God is with us. A long time ago, I was in a moment where I was in my deepest, darkest time of my life. Uh, if you've been here long enough, you might have heard this story, might have. I don't really share it a lot, but it was just, this was a God with me moment, a God with us moment. I had, um, a couple years prior to this moment, I had raised my hand at a youth event, and uh, I got uh, what people thought radically saved. What I, as I look back, what I got was an uh, awesome life insurance policy. I did not want to go to hell and so I, I, through my raising of the hand at youth camp, I, I got myself a life insurance policy to heaven, a plane ticket to heaven. Uh, but I did not bow my knee to the Lord. So the next two years of journey uh, was very dark for me. I, I, in a lot of ways, like Jonah, ran from God. Immediately I knew that God had called me into the ministry and I didn't want any part of it. So I, I literally uh, went away, just like Jonah, and I went to a place up in North Carolina, the two darkest years of my life. But nobody knew it. My youth group thought I was still this on fire uh, kid uh, that was, you know, living for Jesus at university. And I was not. I was living this, uh, this double life. And so my youth pastor asked me to come and speak at a youth event for the junior high. And I didn't have the, I had, I had too much pride to say that I wasn't living right. And so I said, sure, which was a mistake. So I show up to this youth camp where these kids are hungry to experience God, to have a God with us moment, and I'm one of the keynote speakers at the junior high camp. Um, Not surprisingly, I I flopped. It was, I don't even know what I said, actually. And it was very difficult to be up on stage and, and try to present something spiritual. You know that I was just a rotted soul. My life had been just, I uh, just, it wasn't good. And so at that very moment, I decided to, uh, after I spoke, it was lunchtime, and 
I literally thought to myself, this is it. Not that uh, Jesus was a failure, but I was a failure. I couldn't live this life any longer. I, I bombed in, in the morning session. I, I said, that's it. So I decided to walk away, uh, literally. So I, I, they were going to lunch, and I was just going to go in my car and then leave and not explain anything. Just go. Uh, so uh, I was by myself, and I began to walk towards the cabin, and I had to go past. Uh, this is Lake Swan. It's north, somewhere near Gainesville. Uh, to camp around, and there's a lake there, and I have to go by the lake in order to get my stuff so I can get my car keys and just leave. And so I started walking, and I didn't know this until later on, but uh, because I can't hear out of this right ear, I can hear sound fine, but it's really hard for me to pinpoint sound. You know, I could have the phone ringing next to me, and I'd, I'd, I'd go upstairs to the house thinking I could hear the phone, and it was exactly where I was at. And so I, all of a sudden, I heard this audible voice. Now, I don't think we have any kids here, little kids here, so this is good. I literally heard an actual voice speak to me, so I remember just turning and looking around by myself, and, uh, but it was not a good voice. It was not like a, a God voice. And I know this sounds, I'm not trying to be like crude to be cool, uh, I'm just telling you exactly what happened. Um, so I literally heard, just say F-U to Jesus, but it wasn't just the two letters. It was the whole word. And so I remember t twisting in, like, like, where did that come from? You know, the Lord had delivered me from foul language. It wasn't in my head. And so, and I, and I heard it again, and I looked, and it, somehow I knew this was real. And I heard it twice. And then at that moment, while I was twisting around to figure out where this voice was coming from, I looked up into the sky. And this is pre-Lord of the Rings, and I had not read the Lord of the Rings. Uh, so it wasn't like implanted in my mind or anything like this. But for a brief moment, kind of like, like a, um, uh, you're at the theater and the curtain is opening, and all of a sudden it just seemed like something just opened up in the sky. Probably three to five seconds, maximum. But I saw it. I heard this demonic voice, and then I saw the sky open. And what I saw was this, a battle. So, um, you know, this is before Piercing the Darkness, you know, Frank Peretti books and all that. So, it wasn't, again, it wasn't like implanted in my head. Um, and I literally saw this battle going on, and it was like dark horses and uh, white horses and, and good and evil and I just kind of knew it. I just somehow was embedded. I knew that's what was going on. And I felt for the very first time a God uh, with us moment. I felt like God was fighting. Like, in other words, I felt like there was this battle for my soul at this very moment. And so this very thing that Jesus uh, comes to earth to, to be with us, uh, it wasn't just something I sang on Christmas. It wasn't something I just listened to on the Christian radio. I had a, a personal experience of God with me. At that moment, I bowed my knees to the Lord. I was weeping uh, probably for 20, 30 minutes of repenting before the Lord all by myself at some Lake Swan uh, spot right on the, you know, the beach area on the way to the cabin. And so when I share with you 
God with us, I'm, I'm excited to let you know that there, and that's not the only story I could, I could share with you, that God was with me. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter one, and let's start with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin, this is an Isaiah verse, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that, Lord, that I would just step out of the way, and, Lord, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God with us. It's a beautiful story of God's commitment to be with us. And I pray that uh, even in my little story that I share with you, it's God really uh, fulfilling his word. He's being faithful to his word. And so uh, this is not just something I want you to, you know, one of the things, the challenges is that too many of us, and I pray none of us here, um, have never experienced this uh, interaction, encounter, God with us moments in our lives. It's a challenge. I think there are four ingredients as I look back at my own story, but looking at the, the biblical story. And we can see over and over how God is, I mean, this is the story of God wanting to be with his creation. So number one I write here is God is real. And I mean that. God is real. He's not just, and sometimes if you're here long enough, you might hear me pray, Lord, he's not just a figment of my imagination, but he is real. A couple of months ago, maybe a year ago, I, I tried to trick you, and I asked you, who is the most influential person in your life right now that's alive? And I, I just recently did it in Sarasota. I, I like to trick the church every blue moon. Like, name me a person who's the most influential person in your life that is alive right now. And, and usually people will write names, you know? And then I'll say, as a Christian, you should write Jesus. Because sometimes we forget that he is alive, that he is a person. And he's not just a figment of our imagination. He's not just a story that we read in a book. It's not just some Christmas carol thing. It's not some, you know, silhouette of the, the manger scene. But he is real. Too many, and I pray that no one in our church, what I would call fall into the category of deism. Deism really believes in God. But that's it. They, that's it. They just believe that he's out there, that somehow he, he took this, the top of, of the earth and spun it and just backed off and say, okay, I believe in God, but I don't believe he's 
really concerned about what's going on in people's lives. So uh, Deus will just believe in the natural laws that he spun it and backed off and just kind of let things unfold as they may. Deists talk about the idea of God, but they don't really talk to God. And I'm going to challenge you, and I'm challenging myself that I pray that I don't inadvertently slip into that category. That inadvertently I fall into this category of, I say I believe in God, but my life really, if I were to take inventory, I've slipped into, I believe there's a God. And that's it. And so many, many people will, will dawn the doors of churches this week, Christmas Eve services. We will have loads and loads of people who I would consider, and, and it doesn't bring me joy to say it, but deists, they believe in God, and they're here to come and to you know, take communion and sing some songs and do their part and, and then leave. But there's no interaction with a living God. In 1971, there was this famous book, I doubt... Many of you heard of it, but it's called The Three Dollars Worth of God. Raise your hand if you heard of that book. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very obscure, but it, it was kind of famous in the time because uh, this pastor, Wilbur Reese, in 1971, called The Three Dollars Worth of God. It was a bit a little sarcastic in the story, but this is what he says. I would like to buy three dollars worth of God. Please, not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or maybe a nap in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I don't want that much. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb. I don't want new birth. I want the pound, a pound of eternal life in a paper sack. 1971, plastic, plastic grocery bag. So in 1971, he's making the point that too many of his people, our people, Americans, Westerners, are basically deists. We just want $3 worth of God. That's it. Not too much. Hey, let's not, let's not go crazy. Let's not take it to the extent of, you know, lifting hands and singing songs and going to church every week. Let's not do that. I mean, it's, it's a deist. They believe in God. So that's what I call a functional deist. But us as believers, what I would call ourselves is God realism. We know that God is real. And thanks to the incarnation of Christ in John chapter 1, you, you could read that. And then, then later on in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we can have this incredible relationship during Christmas. It's not just a song. It's not a figure on some wrapping paper, but it's, we experience it. We know it. You'll hear us from time to time in our church. We say, your presence is our reward. A functional deist sings songs. They might even be here. You, you might be sitting next to somebody who'll sing the songs but never allows the songs, the lyrics to, to permeate their hearts. There's no emotional uh, connection. And, and uh, here at Mosaic Church, we don't play that game of trying to just draw you the emotions. We know that if we lift up the name of Jesus, glorify 
lift him up, that will draw people to him. We're not trying to play the right notes to, to pull some sort of heartstrings. So uh, the first thing, you know, one of these things to experience uh, true Christmas, that God is with us, Emmanuel, God is with us, is that you have, to, you have to live a life that he's real. Every day he has to be real, and he is real in our lives. All right, here, there's a vast difference between a real relationship with God and merely a philosophical faith or a formalistic religion based on rules and rituals. You and I can have a real relationship with God, a personal experience with him. So that's number one, is you gotta realize that God is real. He's not just something, you know, figment of our imagination, just a thought that we think every blue moon. You know, when uh, people who, who live the life that Jesus is real, God is real, you know, uh, they pray about it. I remember, I remember this lady uh, was buying our house in Sarasota. She said she was a Christian, and she walked into my house. This is a miracle. Off my notes here, miracle. And she goes, we were in desperate need of selling the house, okay? Robin and I, Melise was just, you know, two years old maybe, and we were desperate. We were gonna come to Tallahassee. I already quit my job, and I, was, and I, and I literally was a miracle some lady comes into my house and she, she literally just goes in and she goes, I'll buy it. This is after a conversation. She's telling me she was a Christian. And I said, you'll buy it. She, and she goes, yeah, I'll buy it. Cash. What? I said, don't you want to pray about it and ask God? And she goes, no. <laughs> so I'm like, which in, in, you know, that one was like, good. Uh, but, you know, a deist doesn't think about praying about decisions like that. He's just kind of left me t- to my own actions. I'll just do it as I please. And, you know, he's, I believe he made this place, but he's way out there. And he's not concerned about how I live my life, how I spend my money, how I spend my time. So God with us is for people who believe and know the fact that he is real. The second thing is that this is almost, this is just as important because uh, the Christmas story proves the point was that he wants to be with us. And that's awesome good news. He has a, a deep commitment to be with his people. All you have to do is read the Bible. Read the Bible, read the Old Testament of God's desire to be with his people. And, and sadly, his people constantly self-sabotage themselves. And then, you know, we'll get to the New Testament, but God is grace is greater than our self-sabotage if we humble ourselves. But his desire is incredibly important to be with us. And that's the thing that the miracle is not that I found him. It's kind of easy in a sense. But the miracle is that he would be with me and you. And so the second thing we need to really just kind of allow it to sink into our spirit is that God wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. He wants to communicate with you. Now, I know some of you might think, well, that's, that's weird. And I would say that it's not weird when you have an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with the Lord, you hear his voice. Maybe not audibly like I heard that demonic voice. 
but he desires to be with us. Emmanuel, so when you hear that song on the radio, just gotta, you gotta know that he made the effort to be with us. One thing we say that he came down the ladder, you know, it seems like everybody else's religion is, you know, how to climb up to God. You know, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this. And it was the other way around with Jesus. He came down to be with us, humbled himself to be with us. And so, you know, uh, Emmanuel, uh, Isaiah, uh, the scripture from Isaiah 7, 4, 14, God wants to be with us. It's, it's just all over the scriptures. Just read it. And then, of course, we just read in Matthew. God desires to make himself known to his covenant people and to all of us. And just think of it, right here. The incarnate son continues to be with his followers in a comforting and an empowering manner through the Holy Spirit. Even though he's returned and he's at the right hand of the Father and will do the Apostles' Creed at the end, he, he's, he still continues to be with his followers, his children, through the Holy Spirit. And so when you, when you uh, put Christmas and then Easter and the day of Pentecost together, it is... And it's not that we're doing formulas here, but it's the formula of incredible life that's in tune and, and in synchronization with God. If we ignore the Holy Spirit, it'd be very difficult to, to, to experience what I'm talking about. God with us, which is the third, third part, that we would never ignore the Holy Spirit. Uh, years and years ago, there was this revival going on in Pensacola. I, was, I wasn't sure if I was for it or against it, so I, uh, I erred in the uh, behavior of just staying away and just letting see what other people were saying. And then uh, I had no choice. I had to go. I literally, I had a friend of mine who was the Methodist pastor that got an, an appointment with the guy that was the main speaker in Brownsville, and uh, he made an appointment for me and him, so I had no choice, uh, so, which was kind of funny. Uh, you know, here I am, spirit-filled pastor, afraid of going to this place. Here is a, you know, on paper, non-spirit-filled pastor who's desperate to be there, and he gets it all figured out, and he sends, he gets me there. Long story short, I did not want to be there. I did not want to be there. What I saw seemed really legit. It was very powerful, but I did not want to be there. But out of the blue, the pastor stops the service. And there's 3,000 people in this audience, in the television audience. And he calls me to the front, which I don't want. I don't even want to be in the room, let alone be up front. So he calls me to the front. And, um, and, in, and in that particular service, people were being prayed over, and they were falling over what they call falling out in the presence of God, literally just falling over. And I was definitely not going to do that. And so one of the benefits of being a little bit lower to the ground is I have a really good uh, center of gravity, so I don't fall very easy, uh, like some big, tall people do. And so uh, they were, I knew they were going to pray for me, so I literally stra you know, straddle my legs a little bit, make sure they're at shoulder apart. They're not going to fake fall me down. They're not going to push me down. No one's going to push me down. I'm not going to be pushed down. I'm not going to be coerced to go down. Nothing. I'm just going to be there to pray. And I remember the guy was coming over to pray for me. And I was literally praying, like, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. 
And my friend, Tim, he's like, Lord, I want to go down, I want to go down, I want to go down. That's what he was praying. He told me later. And so uh, the way it was situated, the guy didn't really have opportunity to pray for me. Like, he, he, didn't, he did not have this, his body to push me down if, it, if this was going to be fake. So he kind of just, with his left hand, kind of like a chicken wing, he touches my hair. I had a lot more hair back then. And uh, he doesn't even touch my forehead, just touches my hair. And I collapsed. So, you know, maybe you watch on TV and you have these funny videos that you might share, but, you know, people kind of fall like a, a tree falling down. Mine was more like a crunched can, you know, just like crunched. It just fell. The only reason I say that, too, is that I, I brought seven students. <laughs> Natalie, I don't know if you were there in that one. You came to the next one, yeah. Um, <laughs> funny story with that, too, is uh, uh, one of my students literally thought he'd never experienced anything like this, ever. Never even heard of it. He was raised Presbyterian in Sarasota on Siesta Key, which is hilarious. And uh, he literally thought there was a trap door and that I had gone, that's how, in other words, he didn't see me go down, he just saw me disappear. So he thought there was a trap door and I just went down. So he drew, drew Rutledge and he came to the front to look for me during the service. It's a whole other story. But anyway, there I was. I was not transported. I was not in some sort of trance. I was very much well aware of what was going on. And my first emotional response was embarrassment. I was embarrassed. I can remember thinking, what are my students thinking? I couldn't move. It was kind of like those new uh, weighted blankets that are kind of the trend now, which I have one. I love it. But before I, before weighted blankets, I would re- relate it to uh, like being on a, at a dentist with the x-ray thing on your chest. You just, I couldn't move. I wanted to move. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. Then I kept thinking to myself, I wonder what my pastor Neville's thinking. Because it's on TV. And then I'm like, I wonder what Drew's thinking. You know, my Presbyterian student. And, uh, and again, this is an Emmanuel God with us moment. I literally, this wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, Mario, you've forgotten my Holy Spirit presence. And, uh, and so there I am on my back, thoroughly embarrassed, but now I'm convicted. I feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. That on paper, I believed in the work of the Holy Spirit, but not in practice. And so the third thing that I would like for us to just really just remember is that the Holy Spirit's real. The Holy Spirit's real. So we want to be that Christ, God, is real. We want to make sure that we know that that God is real in our lives. That God really wants to be with us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit is real. I write here, it's one thing to say we believe in the work of the Spirit. It's another to seek Him. Or to wait on Him. To expect Him to impact us in a meaningful meaningful way. 
when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, it's almost like, you know, no analogy is perfect, and most analogies will fail if you start thinking through, but it's almost like walking away and your power cord just gets unplugged. When we ignore the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Christian life is essentially a life in the Spirit, a life which is animated, it is sustained, it is directed, and it is enriched by the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, I don't know how you have true discipleship. I don't know how you could have a real, thriving relationship. Without the Holy Spirit, as the famous Sicilian Vizzini said, it would be inconceivable, and it literally is. The sad reality is that too many of us live a life without the Holy Spirit. And you can resist, you know, Acts 7, just look at it. You can see where the Holy Spirit's resisted. Uh, the Holy Spirit's grieved in Ephesians 4. The Holy Spirit's rejected in, in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Holy Spirit's quenched in 1 Thess- Thessalonians 5. But if we really want to experience Christmas with God with us, we see the, on the TV, if you really want to have a God with us encounter with the incarnate risen Savior, it, it requires that we place ourselves in a posture of grace to receive, to expect. That's another thing, too. If you, a life filled with the Holy Spirit, we expect God to speak. You know, you call your wife on the phone, you call your spouse, hey, honey, it's not just silent. There's an ex- expectation that there's going to be some sort of communication. You know, you know how you would feel, right? If uh, you called, hey, honey, and you don't hear anything. It's like, hello, I'm talking. That's why Ephesians 5, Paul encourages the church to be filled with the Spirit. In Galatians, to keep in step with the Spirit. Learning to live each day aware of the Holy Spirit. In touch with the Holy Spirit. Responsive to the Holy Spirit. And that's God with us. You can't have a God with us. It's inconceivable without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the last point, which I love, is what I call proximity. God has come down. It's kind of like uh, Bryce's wedding. We had it here. You know, again, no analogy is perfect, but you know, Mackenzie comes down the aisle. You know, Bryce, what does Bryce do? Now, sometimes uh, grooms get a little nervous and I have to hit him in the back. He has, he has to make an effort. So he comes down and he is drawn to his bride. He takes the effort to go. Christ comes born in a manger, God with us, Emmanuel, comes. But our response is now to to react to that love and to go to him. And to go to him. 
to draw close to him. We take the initiative to draw near to God. And especially when we're under attack, too many, I've been in ministry for many years, almost, actually 30 years now. You know what happens to too many people when they're under attack of the enemy? You would think they would draw close to God, but they end up, this is, this is like, you know, if there was a, a, a military class in how to undermine Christian faith, this is like 101. Get, get the believer to shake his fist at God, and then he, he's repelled. No, when you're under attack, you don't repel from God. You go toward him. And too many of our friends, sadly, who are under attack, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they're, you know, they, they start getting mad at everybody, mad at church, church people. You know, they're just, you know, they're hypocrites. And, and I'm like, and when I hear that, I'm like, this is like, you know, military 101, the enemy's classes. Just get them to be angry at and not that you can't have a relationship, close relationship without the church, the bride. I get that. But they, they begin to separate themselves. It's the whole divide and conquer. So one of the things I love is that one of the main major reasons for, uh, one of the main reasons that God is with us and, and empowers us with the Holy Spirit is to overcome the evil one, right? He's empowered us for us to overcome the evil one. So experiencing God with us is key to overcoming the enemy, and he draws us. You know, sometimes, and you know, and I'm maybe sometimes too vulnerable, but sometimes there might be moments, and they're rare and far and few between, where Robin is repulsed by me, uh, and so even if I'm drawn to her, like, I'm not having it. You know, uh, but God loves us. He, he sees that we're made in his image, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit as believers has been imparted in us, and it's been stamped in our hearts as, as a future you know, sign of our relationship with him in eternity. So draw close to the Lord. I write this, that Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost combine to create the potential for us to experience the power and the presence of God. My Emmanuel, God with us moment, and I, and I share two of them, opened my eyes to reality that God, God is with me even in my dark places. Remember that story I told you by the lake? Even in those dark places or or some revival service on stage, God is with us. And I'm desperate for an encounter with God. So when I, when I come to church, or I come to Bible studies, or I, I pray in the morning and I open my Bible, I, I'm not a de I try not to be a deist. You know, that's not just static learning. I'm expecting that to have a communion with my God. James 4, 7, and I'll finish with this, yes. I was drawn by the Holy Spirit to this verse. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You want to overcome those evil temptations, demonic influences, attacks? You don't run from God. You run to him. You're drawn near to him. The verse goes on, and this is where I just, especially on my first story where, you know, I bowed my knee, I recognized that God loved me, and, and I was living this double life. It says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. That was me. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and guess what? He will lift you up. So I began a journey in trying to focus and drawing closer to the Lord. I wanted to be proactive. I wanted to defy what the devil was trying to do by separating me from God. Divide and conquer. God is not some angry God up in the sky. I used to think that. You know, I used to think, if I was going 36 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone, and I crashed and died, I was gone to eternity to, into hell. I lived like that for a while. It's not a fun way to live. God loves us. He loves me. He wants a relationship with you and me. He wants to have a God with you moment in your life. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to mentor us through the Holy Spirit. So if you want to really experience God this Christmas, you have to remember he's real. He wants to be with us. You have to, you can't ignore the Holy Spirit. And you have to draw close to him. Anything short of that, we're living the $3 book of God. $3 worth of God. Just a little bit of it and a little bit of that. So I pray that this Christmas season, that God is with you and God is with me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that no one in this room, no one in our audience, are functioning deists. We call ourselves Christians, but functioning is deists. I pray, God, that we would put that aside, that you love us so much that you sent your son to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord, every time we hear that song sung or we're singing it in the car, we're, um, you know, whatever, when that, when that word comes up, Lord, help us to remember those four things. Thank you that you're real. You want to be with us. Proof why we celebrate Christmas. Proof that you want to be with us. Holy Spirit awareness. And Lord, we want to respond. Lord, when I open my Bible tomorrow and my devotions, I'm, I, I expect, not out of command, but out of relationship, to hear from you. And I won't run from you. I'll draw close to you when I don't hear anything. And when life is confusing, and life is tough, and it's dark, and we're experiencing a Jonah 
chapter 2 experience down in the depths of Sheol and life seems hellish and dark, Lord, we know that you're there with us, with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Father. I pray that every family here would sense that in a very deep and powerful way. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurch.com.